it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This Wednesday on the site, we are releasing our 2020 NFL Draft Guide, where you can find all things draft-related leading up to the first round on April 23rd, including scouting reports on each prospect by Danny Kelly and much more. We'll be updating it regularly with new analysis that takes all the latest developments into account. You can check that out on Wednesday on TheRinger.com. NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, a.k.a. Kevin Opinionated, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin! Verno, what's going on this Friday? Well, we had a very interesting night last night because as the TNT games were getting started, they announced the all-star starters for both of the conferences. Um, in the Western Conference, I think that everybody... Everybody could have filled out their Western Conference starters and it would have been virtually unanimous amongst media and for the most part, the fans. The Eastern Conference was going to be interesting because you knew that there would be some players that got more of the fan votes, most intently uh, Kyrie Irving. Right. We knew that Kyrie was probably going to get Taco Fall, of course. Oh, yeah. And Taco (laughs) Fall. But who would end up being the starters? in that game, and it turned out that there were two surprises, one of which was Pascal Siakam, who we've talked about a lot on the show this year, who has certainly taken even another leap in his game and was clearly shocked and elated to be named an all-star starter, and Trey Young, where the question was, he is on the worst team in the league. What level of reward will he get? Well, he got the highest, which is being able to be a starter in the game. And that was by virtue of, you know, Kyrie Irving, who was the fan rank, would have been one of the starters. And yet the player rank and the media rank both had him at sixth. And so that's how Trey got bumped up. But Trey Young and Pascal Siakam, all-star starters. What do you think? I don't mind it. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that Trey ended up winning the vote. Uh, but but then again, I shouldn't be because the fans had him number one, media at number two. I, I expected Ben Simmons to get the vote because of how stellar he's been on the defensive end of the floor this year. But I guess with Trey and with NBA viewers in general, whether you're a critic, whether you're media, whatever, whether you're a fan, people tend to favor offense. And Trey in his second season has been one of the most exciting players to watch on the offensive end of the floor in the league. So in that way, I'm not too surprised, um, but I but I am in the sense that like maybe Ben Simmons putting up better numbers on a better team. Uh, I thought he would get the edge. The other one to me is Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy Butler. Look, you know I've been on this for years. I think he's the most underrated player in the NBA. I think he is a bona fide superstar that does not get the superstar label. He makes every team he plays on better. I know he has, it's ended poorly in places, but it finally feels like he's found the right mix. And surprise, surprise, they're good again. I mean, look, he left the Bulls, the Bulls turned to crap. He left the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves turned to crap. And now he goes to Miami, which was a Midland team last year, and they have had one of the best records in the Eastern Conference. I know there was that tricky thing of, is he a forward? Is he a guard? I don't know how he was labeled. Ugh. 
You know, I, I know, and I know that you hate the positions thing, and this is a perfect example no. of that. Jimmy Butler, I know he made a mockery of the All-Star game a few years ago, too, by not even playing in the game. That being said, um, I thought Butler would be there. I really did. I thought Butler would be there as one of the starters, especially given the success of Miami this year. I don't understand why he wasn't listed as a, a backcourt player. Right. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I mean, I think with positions, look, it helps you and me and fans, you know, talking amongst each other. It helps us have conversations to categorize these players and put them into groups. It helps us look at centers on the stat sheet, you know, look at just guards. But when it comes to voting in today's positionless league for all-star and all-NBA, I don't understand how it happens that somebody like for all-NBA last year, what makes LeBron a forward but not a guard like Ben Simmons. What makes Jimmy Butler this year a forward when he is the leading assist, a leading leading player with touches, possession time on the Miami Heat? He runs that offense, essentially. I don't understand what makes him a front court player. Why is it that Anthony Davis is listed at front as forward and center in all NBA, whereas other guys who have similar distribution next playing next to another big man or only as a center or only as a forward. It's, it's a screwy process. And the simple way to solve it is just get rid of positions because teams don't look at the size of a player in today's league and slot them into a position. They look at their skill and that's the role that they take on. And I, I hope the NBA at some point just removes positions entirely and just goes with like the five best guys. Like it shouldn't matter what position you are. And I'll say this, man, uh, people could say, ah, oh, who gives a crap? It's just the all-star game and nobody cares about the all-star like, it, it, Look, it, does it, is matter. An, it is an honor. It is an honor to be able to start well, the all-star it, game. It's you not know? just an honor, but guys get bonuses for it, too. Absolutely. Like, like some guys, look, you know, one person's benefit is, is another person's loss. But the fact is that some guys have bonuses tied to an all-star appearance not only that, but with all NBA, it's even more significant because you have the super max implications and all that. So there's financial implications for these players as well. And that that's that as well as the honor is what matters. Yeah. And uh, I thought they had an interesting conversation last night, which was what would have happened if Curry is totally healthy and being the Steph Curry that, you know, you thought. He would be like, we thought we were on on track to maybe have a monster Curry yeah, season. Yep. And what happens? I thought this was an interesting debate because I don't know how it plays out. If Curry's there and is putting up the numbers that we think he would have if he wouldn't have gotten hurt this year, I mean, really? You're not going to have either Luka or James Harden as a starter? Like, it seems implausible, but it, it would have been a hell of a deal if it played out. If Curry had, let's say Curry's averaging like 34 points and seven assists right now, and Harden or Luka wouldn't be the starter. Well, it, the easy the easy option here is like Kawhi gets bumped off. Yeah, right. You know, he missed, you know he's load managed. He's he's a part-time player right now during the regular season, which is but fine. But that wouldn't have happened. For the Clippers. But it wouldn't have happened right. because of the silly positions. And, it, and like, I don't really care for All-Star. I just don't care. It's an exhibition game. It matters to an extent because of bonuses. What I care about is with all NBA. And that's where I, I really, really think it should be a conversation, which is why I, I'm glad we're talking about it. Well, I many mean, times it, it does goofy. dictate it. It does dictate. You know what I mean? You look back and you say, this guy didn't even make the all-star team. What, he's going to be all NBA? And that has happened. That has happened uh, several times where a guy didn't make the all-star game, but then he ended up being 
one on one of the all NBA teams at the end. And part of it is because look, the fans will make a mockery of it in cases you mentioned Taco Fall. There was the Caruso thing. And I know the players. Pl- players do, oh, too. They can make a super mockery of it. Look, I'll tell well, you a quick hey, story. Fa- fans did a pretty good job. Fans did a really good job overall. When currently, well, I mean, come on. They, they, they're voting okay. more besides, for Zach Levine than Jalen Brown. I know, come but on. besides, I know, I know, but like the guys who were at the top, though. That's Giannis, right. Giannis was one, Siakam two, Embiid three, Trey one, Kyrie two. I know that's silly, but Kemba three. And in the West, it was perfect. Yeah. Right. You know, yes. it was no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so, but the players look a quick story. Uh, I know that they can make a mockery of it. Years ago, <laughs> I did a video with, uh, Tony Allen when he was going to like, we were doing this video of him selecting his all-stars, bro. He wouldn't give, like, he wasn't going to vote for anybody that he like played against all the time. And that, like, so he was, like, voting, like, Luke Babbitt and, like, all these, <laughs> like, just guys that, like, it was like oh, yeah, he deserves a, <laughs> or, or guys that he had played with in the past, you know, that he liked. So it would be, like, you know, Leon Poe or somebody, you know, I mean, hey, I Leon, saw, I, I love Leon Poe. I've seen it be made of, seen it be made a mockery of, but you look now, and, and it's not just back then. Look, Zion Williamson got two votes. These are the players, okay? Taco Fall uh, got seven votes from players. Justice Winslow <laughs> got uh, Justice Winslow, who's missed most of the season, got a vote. How about this, Theonis? Just, just one vote? Yeah, that's himself. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, Theonis Antetokounmpo got six player votes. Costas Antetokounmpo got five which he has not scored yet this season. So maybe the players got confused. Your, your How about guy, this one? Uh, your, your guy, Grayson Allen, got two. Is that true? He got two. Hey. D- Dylan Brooks had eight. I'm just hey, going through for the, the Grizzlies. The best one? The, <laughs> no, the best one? Bol Bol got a vote. Wow. I didn't see that. Yes. Does Bol Bol get a vote? <laughs> I don't know. You think you, I, I, you're not allowed to vote for yourself. Oh, you're not? No, uh-uh. So that's just somebody making a mockery of it. Interesting. Okay. And that's the thing. Look, the NBA, uh, you know, they let fans make up 50%, media 25%, players 25%. And the players clearly make the biggest mockery of it. Both the fans <laughs> and the media take it more seriously. Even, even though I say that, but yet all those fans voted for Alex Caruso and Taco Fall to be funny. Yeah, but that's just Lakers fans and Celtics fans. I know. And, 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 and it's not like those fans. guys are going to make the all-star team. No, it's just for fun. Who You know. That's right. Uh, on that on that level, it is. Uh, so anyways, the only one. What, do, uh, what about Siakam? I think that's the right choice. I, I think where, where it was wrong was Butler should have been listed as backcourt or guard, whatever it is, over Trey Young. That's the only difference that I think I would have had if there if it were positionless, but it's not. Okay, um, I'm, cool with, I'm cool with what happened. I, I think I think I think it's great. No no like major disagreements. And let's just say that at the very top end, the players look their rankings are their rankings, and they had LeBron, Davis, Kawhi, Jokic, George. Like that was one through five. It got a little goofy when they're you know putting Carmelo Anthony ahead of Rudy Gobert or whatever, but 
that's neither here nor there. What is fascinating to me is when you look at the player rank and the guys that end up a little bit higher or a little bit lower than you think. And there's greatest disparity was Chris Paul. And then Jimmy Butler got a, had a disparity in the Easter Conference too. But in terms of what, like a media rank versus a player rank and a fan rank. And I was surprised the players had him low. The players had him at ninth. Only 18 player votes. Straight. I mean, that's just like, and it makes me John feel like. Morant had 22. I know. Devin Booker, it, 39. And Mitchell, that makes 34. me feel like Paul and Butler are the guys that truly rub guys the wrong way. And they don't want to, they don't want to vote for them. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't voting well, for him. And, that, and that's what's going to make the conversation and the debate about the reserve choices so fascinating. Because you're going to have some of the, the new faces that are going to get hyped in the West, whether it's someone like a Brandon Ingram on the back end of that roster or somebody like a Donovan Mitchell or a Devin Booker versus Chris Paul. And then there's going to be guys that get left oh, off as hey, well. Yeah, I'll I give you this one. Hey, if it came down, and I know you're a Booker fan, and the and Booker oh, had by a the very, way, boy, very high I, player by the way, rank. Devin Booker, he's killing it. Killing, killing it. it this year. That very high player rank. Very high player rank, okay? Um, if it came down to Booker and Ingram, who would you give it to? Um, probably give the edge to Ingram. Interesting. Yes. Because uh, that I, helps your Ben Simmons argument a lot. No, I, I don't. I don't yeah. <laughs> this is, hey, this is, I am, I look, I am, I am making you choose between your uh, firstborn and your secondborn here. Sure, yeah. Exactly. With Booker it, and Ingram. It, it's, I mean, like with Devin Booker, that that uh, good uh, good stats, bad team player conversation has died for the most part. Even though what? the Suns, I, I look, I have not they still seen stink. it. <laughs> I have, I know it does, but I haven't seen that on oh. Twitter on on anywhere online this season. I well, think because they're not as think, bad. Yeah, now, because, they're, they're because everybody's bad. everybody's moved that to Trey Young. No, but but the, here's the thing: like it was. It was silly last year when people were like, oh, Booker, Booker is a ball dominant player. He's a ball hog. No, he's not. He had to be that. And this year, now that he has a point guard, a guy who can handle the ball and Ricky Rubio, we're seeing how good Booker has always been going back to high school as a cutter, as a player off screens, as a guy who knows how to play team ball. And he's had the opportunity to do that this year with Ricky Rubio. And I think that has finally allowed people to respect his overall game and show he doesn't need to be a ball hog when really like that should have been apparent. He just had to do that by necessity the last couple of years. So I'm, but, I'm happy that the perspective of Booker has finally changed. That being said, you would give the nod to Ingram. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd probably have both on the team if, if we're doing full reserve picks. Over Chris Paul, you cannot over Chris Paul. You can't have both I mean, of them. I, I think I think Chris Paul could be on the team too. Well, you're running out of spots, Kev. I know I'm running out of <laughs> spots. You can't you can't let everybody be an all star here. Yeah, I, 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 know, I, know. <laughs> I think he should be on too. And that, this you know what? Like a, this I think Gilgis Alexander should be there too. Well, this isn't everybody gets a trophy, or I'm it's not. Not, I'm not it saying like that. it. <laughs> but like, no, no. I mean, it's twelve spots, so it's guys like a Westbrook might get left off or a Carl Towns might get left off. That, that, that's where we're at. Oh, okay. Or a Paul George might get left off that's because cool. of games played. You know, that, that, that's where we're at. It's, I, think, I think I'd probably have Booker and Ingram on there and Paul. Oh, my God. You got, you got everybody on there. Yeah. All right. That's All right. just 12 spots. 
They unveiled the jerseys. I don't like them. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I even saw them. Yeah. <laughs> They're not great. Um, we have not spoken since we saw Zion's debut the other night, which for three quarters looked like, ah, eh, well. I mean, I was super excited to watch this. But you don't like those jerseys? Those are colorful. I like the no, colors. I just looked I them don't. up. No. I like the old I like the old school ones. I, I like the I, retro I, ones. I like I love the black ones a few years ago uh that they had. I even like last year's a lot. I wouldn't last wear year, them. I, I wouldn't wear them. I wouldn't wear I don't think jerseys look good on me. Last year's black one looked really good. Those do um, look cool. Yeah. Do, but do you I, wear jerseys? I've got a ton. Do you wear them? If I'm messing around, like if I'm playing with my son or okay, like I'm yeah, yeah. being funny or yeah. like somebody wins, you know what I mean? And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll wear a jersey to, yeah, yeah. Wear, oh, I wear a jersey every Sunday. I'm that, I, I, yeah, I go down, we go down to my father's house. Uh, me and my son do. And yeah, we all, yep, and we all I, wear jerseys. Yes. I, I like, I like wearing a jersey on Sundays as well. Yeah. But I don't, basketball is different. You know what I mean? Like during the summer, if I'm outside screwing around or something. I mean, that's sort of what the NBA was going for with the sleeve jerseys. Like, they were probably hoping those would catch fire. Yeah, it didn't catch on. <laughs> no, it didn't at it all. It did not catch on. I, I look, I, I think it's They're worth They're too tight. Have you, ever, have you ever put one on? They're tighter than hell. No, I, I never have. Yeah, I do. No, look, I, it, it would not, it's not good tight. for my, my physique, your physique. It ain't a good look. <laughs> my physique? I, I know. I'm just kidding. It, it's not good. I have like. <laughs> we got to be careful. I, I think I'm like. I think I've like I've gained weight. I think I'm stress eating. We're both but a little that's, lumpy. That's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> I'm stress eating. Yeah, you, no, hey, I, I really think I am. Bro, <laughs> if anybody deserves yeah. to stress eat, it's you. You yeah. have been to hell and back over yeah. the last six months. Feels good hey. to eat. That's for sure. Who doesn't like eating? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. It's like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I don't. I don't care enough to ever get ripped. Bro, I just hey. don't. I mean, like, food is too good. Why? Why restrict yourself? I mean, if you're someone like me and you are not blessed with a fast metabolism, why you kill this, yourself? Kid. Enjoy food. So what if you have a little bit of a, a dad bod? I'm going to tell you this, man. I'll tell you this, and this is a good tip for anybody out there that uh, that has got a girl that they think they really love and whatever. Look, it all goes away. We're all going to end up, you know, looking goofy in 30, 40 years, so you better end up finding somebody that you like. You know what I mean? Not always. Like, you like. like. They're, 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 hey, there's some, come on. I mean, it, look. <laughs> there I, are, I, I, there unless you marry Christy Brinkley. There so, are very attractive people in their 40s and 50s. There, I said saying. 30, 40 years. Oh, okay. so you're talking 60, 70. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. At that point, it's quite rare. We all got moms and dads, man. We all have moms and dads, and I got pictures of my mom and dad when they were young too. I mean, who's you know the, what I mean? I, like, who's the best-looking <laughs> older woman I can think of? Selma Hayek, I think she's what fifty-four, something like that. I don't well, know. George Clooney, right? How about J Lo? I'm, t- I'm uh, let's, let's take out of consideration. Oh, so no celebrities allowed. So no yeah. Clooney, no J Lo. <laughs> no, like <laughs> no Brad Pitt. They're not. Ca- they don't count. Even even then though, it's rare though. If you take a sample of like a hundred celebrities, you're still gonna have a Tom Hanks who has like a normal looking body. I mean, in his sixties. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying for everybody. Everybody's got moms and dads. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm sure there's somebody out there listening who's got whose dad's ripped, but that's like like one guy. <laughs> who's got the ripped dad? Well, I mean, you know I mean? right, that's out there listening to us right, right now. I'm trying to grow a beard. And oh no! I, yeah, no, I was I was watching a video on YouTube of this guy in his like 50s or something with this magnificent 
gray beard. And <laughs> I, I, it's just amazing. And I looked at his Instagram oh, no. without without the beard. Like he is so unattractive. But oh, my God. he is he is ripped, dude. <laughs> Oh, Kevin O'Claw. Like fifty-seven. It's crazy. Anyway, a beard can make a big difference. I, I'm I'm trying to grow a beard. That's Ke- Kevin yeah. O'Claws. That's what we're gonna call then, you. Then, then when I'm back in LA, I can you know maybe some of those hipster girls will swipe right on me on Tinder <laughs> and all that. <laughs> <laughs> those hipster girls. Oh my gosh! How how are we doing on the beard? Uh, I mean, actually, it's pretty. It's coming in pretty well. There's no, there's no bad Jason Tatum spots. Oh you know what I mean? It's coming in well. Well, and I'm gonna get to see you next month at the All Star Game. Yeah. I want that thing full on. I mean, so All Star. I'm worried about, and this is like the stage I think everybody goes through if they're trying to grow a beard. The point where it kind of looks scraggly, but no, you need to, you, but you need to keep growing it. Power through, Kev. I know, I know. Power I'm through. Gonna, I want full bearded. Kevin O'Connor by the time we go to the All-Star game in Chicago. And you know what? You'll need it because it's going to be like two degrees anyway. Yeah. Oh, I know. Dude, it makes a difference. It really does. <laughs> it, no, I'm serious. Like already, I already I feel a difference in, 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 with the warmth on my neck and face. It feels nice. I like All it. right. Let's get yeah. to something very important that we do need to talk about besides your beard. And that is the rumor mongering page came back at the ringer. And you took part in this. And one of the things that you talked about was a possible Gallinari. I mean, that's still out there, though the Oklahoma City Thunder have uh, overachieved as compared to what many people thought they would do this year and have, I think, a dangerous team that you probably would not want to face come playoff time. We know the situation with Gallo, and you don't know what the re-signing probability is there. And so his name is going to come up as a guy with the, with the contract that could be moved. You mentioned with Philly, how the hell is Gallo going to Philly? So I reported this week that Philly and Dallas amongst a number of other playoff teams have at least inquired about Danilo Gallinari, who's an unrestricted free agent this summer from Oklahoma city. And with Philly specifically, it's interesting because the name that I had heard was Al Horford. And at first, I was thinking to myself, this makes absolutely zero sense at all for OKC to trade for an older aging player in Al Horford. (laughs) I mean, it just seems like it goes against what you would think that they should do. But last month, I, I also did report that they are willing to take on salary if it means getting more assets in return. And when you think about it from Philly's perspective, it makes a lot of sense. If you theoretically were to swap Horford for Gallo, you get a guy who's better on the perimeter. He can be a a playmaker for you, making plays off the dribble at the end of the clock. Gallo is good in all different type of play types. He can run off screens. He can do it all for you. For Philly, it makes sense. But for OKC, it's like, why at first? But I do think it's interesting because you also have the Steven Adams trade rumors. If you get Horford, and other assets, maybe you're more willing to flip Adams. So that's one thing. Maybe with Horford's shooting ability and playmaking ability, you're creating an environment for your young guys to develop in that you want to use. Horford also, because he signed through to a $27 million deal in the 2021 season and has an, an option for $26 million in 2022, by that point, with all of OKC's draft picks and the young players that they'll have by then, you're going to have to have a salary 
to use in a trade should a star player become available by that, by that point. And Horford maybe could that type be that type of piece with an expiring deal or the non-guaranteed deal in the final year of his contract. So if Philly were willing to desperately overpay to get a guy who's a better fit for them, and if you're getting a guy who get, get helps your system now, and you have a salary that you could use in a trade down the line, it sort of starts to make sense for both teams. But I, I'm, I, am I playing too much of a devil's advocate with myself here, Chris, or does that actually make some logical sense for both teams? Here's why it doesn't make sense to me, okay? Because we're already you're already without Embiid right now, okay? And you're seeing how valuable Horford becomes in that situation. We also got to the playoffs last year, and there were all manner of reasons Joel Embiid was missing games. I like having the Embiid insurance that it's like we are still capable of being extremely good if I am if 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 I am somehow uh, if I've still got Horford on this roster. Horford gives me the greatest Embiid insurance possible. The other thing is this. What happens if I do change over this team a little bit in the future? If I do feel like I have to make a decision between Simmons and Embiid. And maybe I do, maybe I don't. But at that point, then, don't you wish you had Horford? Is Horford a better fit with Ben Simmons? I think it's fair to say yes, right? I think this goes back to that other type of conversation we've had, though. Maybe you want to invest less dollars into that center position. Let, let's just say, like, you theoretically had to trade a beat at some point. And I don't think that would happen. But let's say that were to happen. Maybe then instead, if you're building with Ben Simmons and he's playing a lot more five, you'd rather have a, another center that's in the the five to $15 million range rather maybe, than maybe so. But I mean, level. look, I, 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 the Gallinari acquisition seems a little goofy to me considering you just paid. Tobias Harris, $100 billion. I know. Look. So what am I doing? I think Gallo's just a better guy who can create. Well, then you should. I mean, maybe you should have thought of that last year. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, look, they did that, though. Once they committed to Tobias in the way that they did, look, I don't know if you could move him. He's the one I'd move. That's my opinion. I don't know if Philly would do this. I've just heard that that, that's what could. Look, that's what would work financially. Period, right? Like, that's what it would have to be. And it's the type of thing where if Philly were to do that, it, it would be quite a, a an almost respectable admission of this was a mistake to make that type of move shortly, at one, just months after you signed a guy to make that move. One other note, though, Chris, is with OKC, in 2016, they were close to signing Al Horford. Granted, times were different then. You had KD. You were trying to keep KD. And Russell Westbrook was there. You're trying to contend for championships. But Billy Donovan's favorite player from his time coaching at Florida is Al Horford. And so from a coaching perspective, from a system perspective, from a All potential right. future yeah. financial perspective, if Philly were to give a ton else, maybe Zaire Smith and future picks, and maybe that's something okay. you do. All right, hear me out on this. Hear me out on this, okay? Who do I have to beat in the Eastern Conference? Who am I thinking I'm playing in the Eastern Conference Finals? Milwaukee. All right, would I rather have Gallinari or Horford for that series? It's not even a question. It's not even a question. I know. I I would much rather. I I mean, that's the team I got to beat. If I've got Gallinari, Giannis is scoring 75 points a game. And I may actually be able to stymie him if I've still got Horford on my roster. Or at least give him problems. 
So to me, you know, you got you to gotta keep an eye towards the future. Who do I have to get past to get to the NBA Finals? And would I rather have this guy or that guy? And the answer for me is Horford. Do you still have confidence in Horford? Because he is, yes. not, he is not the same guy. No. And may, and he is not. And maybe this is just regular season average L, but he does not look like he has the same quickness on the perimeter. And that's that. That's where I look at it. I'm like, is he really going to be a Al Horford stopper? is still fantastic, and it reminds me so much of listening about Chris Paul. Chris Paul had lost a step, right? Now he's like one of the best no, damn guards in that, the NBA. No, that was that's, uh, you and I debated that before the season, though. And I, I was on the side that no, this guy's still good. He's still got it. We talked about that, and without Horford, like there is an actual you can look at him on the court and see that he is not moving the way he did even during last year during the regular season in Boston. He's somebody who the last year or two has had some leg issues, some knee issues. And I wonder if maybe now at 33 years old, that is really slowing him down on the defensive end of the floor. He's not shooting the ball well either. So he's not bringing on offense because you have so many better players, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Josh Richardson, like on the offensive end of the floor, his playmaking value is diminished as well. So he's not shooting the ball. Well, his playmaking isn't able to be as valuable because of the other players you have on the roster. And if his defense is declining, that is a guy you should at least look to move, whether it's for a Gallinari or somebody else. I think you got to at least be thinking about it. And that's a shame because the Al Horford that you're talking about on paper, the Al Horford that you hope you got that guy, we haven't seen him yet through 42 games with Philly. And at some point he's going to show it because you're going to feel some level of confidence that he can be the Giannis stopper. Cause that's what it's going to come down to in April or may, whenever that series happens. Hmm. All right. So you still would rather have Gallinari than Horford. I think Gallinari is one of the most underrated players in the game. So look, he's somebody, like I said, Gallo can fit anywhere, which is why so many playoff teams are interested in him and why, why for that matter, OKC might keep him. They could decide to keep him as well into the summer, either to re-sign him or to sign and trade him. And he's somebody that he can play off ball for you. He's a smart cutter. He moves well off ball. He shoots threes off the catch at a high level. He attacks closeouts. He does all those role player things at a high level. But he's also a guy who can handle the ball and be a pick and roll pick and roll player for you, creating for himself and making basic simple plays for others. Gallinari, the only concern for him for years in Denver was his his durability. And last year with the Clippers, this year with the Thunder, he's he hasn't been named an all-star, but he's playing at an all-star caliber level. And if I'm Philadelphia, I'm looking at our offense right now, and I'm worried about how stagnant it could become in the playoffs. I think Gallo's a guy that could open things up as a floor spacer and as a shot creator. To me, that's a bit more important right now at this stage than what Horford could only theoretically bring to the floor. Not to mention the fact is, is that you could get rid of Horford's long-term salary. It's just a matter of what else are you giving in that trade? How many other assets and draft equity are you giving up for Gallinari, who can become an unrestricted free agent this summer? There's risk in making a, that type of move, but I think for the Philadelphia 76ers, they are a contender. They can win a championship, and they're just a couple tweaks away, in my opinion, from being right at the same level as the Bucks are right now. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we do have to talk about another big man that might get traded that we would have never expected would be traded. How about that for a tease? We'll do it after these words. 
Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Ladder. Do you have enough life insurance? It's this thing we know we all need, but keep putting it off because it sounds like a pain to deal with. Ladder has made getting life insurance easy. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions online to get a personalized quote. If you qualify, they'll cover you at the click of a button. No salespeople, no paperwork, no waiting period. Just the feeling of doing something right for your family. One of their customers even got a policy in the security line at the airport. Ladder has great prices and rave reviews. $1 million policies starting at just $27 a month. Ladder will help you figure out exactly the coverage you need and even let you adjust it over time so you never end up paying for more than you should. Take care of your home team. Visit ladderlife.com slash NBA. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash NBA. Ladder Life term policies are issued by Fidelity Security Life Insurance Company, Kansas City, Missouri. Not available in New York. Today's episode of The Mismatch also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. It's a new year, the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free with this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ringer NBA, R I N G E R N B A. ZipRecruiter.com slash Ringer NBA. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Kevin, I'm going to read you two passages from an article that came out in The Athletic yesterday by uh, Javon Bua and uh, Sam Amick. Montrez Harrell had spoken his truth telling the world on January 4th after a 26-point uh, home loss to the Memphis Grizzlies about frustrations that had surfaced inside the Clippers' complicated locker room. Now it was Doc Rivers' turn. The 58-year-old, who is one of just six current NBA head coaches to have won a title, has been known to be take on a head-on approach in discussing disagreements with his players, yada, 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 with his Clippers set to host the New York Knicks that afternoon in the second of a home back-to-back set. Sources say Rivers lit into his team in the pregame meeting and directed his ire at Harrell multiple times in reference to the comments that he made. The gist of the expletive-laden message had been sent loud and clear. Keep your frustrations internal. Don't vent to the media and create distractions for this locker room. But the damage was done. And... You know, this is one of those things where it was interesting before this ever even came out. You heard, uh, I, I was listening to uh, Simmons pod with uh, Rosillo and House the other day, and they were talking about Montrez Harrell and that that is the kind of management that would say, hey, we need some more, like do something bold. We need size. Like that's the one thing that scares us is our lack of size. Zubach was played off the court last playoffs and we love Montrez, but Montrez, I mean, is that who we're taking to the, is that who we're going to war with? Um, when we have to face you know, a lot of these teams that are good, like Gobert, like Jokic, like Anthony Davis, they got big guys on their team. So we need some size. And Montrez is going to be up to getting paid. Oh, and he's so going to get paid. He's going to get paid big time. Oh, yeah. Is that a guy? Yeah, we have never even considered that Montrez Arrow could be moved somewhere. 
But you got this story that came out. I just listened to that, and it's the first time I've even considered that uh, that the Clippers would change something, especially given how great Montrez has been the last two years. I'd be surprised. You know, if, if you're the Clippers, you look at that Lou Will, Montrez Harrell pick and roll pairing and how successful those guys have been since they found each other, right? On that roster. They are one of the league's best pick and roll duos. The Clippers are fantastic the last two years with the both of them on the court. And I think if you break that up, you're taking a significant risk and hurting what's working with your roster last year before Kawhi and Paul George and still today. Uh, I feel like for them, you got to ride it out and head into the summer. And if look, if, if Harold gets a max offer sheet, you can match that if you want to and go into the tax, you could decide to do that. Or you know what? You could do a sign and trade as well. So I think for the Clippers, it's, it's advantageous for them to keep Harold and move into the summer and not worry about a trade unless it's something ridiculous. Like there's so few players that are untouchable, but I, it's hard to imagine a move being out there that makes any sense for the Clippers to do now. Yeah. And well, you think about like, where are you getting size, like real size that's out there available that you think that you're comfortable with? Like you think, uh, all right, if that's your thing, I, we got this guy's got a really long wingspan. But in the end, he's 6'7", and we're going to have to beat Gobert, we're going to have to beat Jokic, or we're going to have to beat Anthony Davis, and we're going to, like, these are the guys we're going to be going up against. And, you know, maybe you go cheaper, you know what I mean, on that, to try to find the size. It was fascinating, because the name that I recently read about, which was uh, uh, Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, wrote this thing saying, Lori Markkinen looks like a guy who needs a change of scenery, but the Bulls would be too paranoid to give up on talent like that. Sources have indicated that the Los Angeles Clippers have interest in both Thaddeus Young and Chris Dunn. They could go after Young in a trade Dunn. and wait for Dunn, who's a restricted free agent this summer. Yeah, oh, no, why would they have interest in Chris one, right? Dunn? I don't, I, I don't know. Thaddeus Young's an <laughs> uh, interesting <laughs> well, one, though. Well, Thad Young wants out, uh, I've heard. And for Chicago, of course, he's a guy that does make sense to move him. And for the Clippers... You know, sure, Thad Young, he he could be somebody that can help your team now as another versatile wing defender, can defend some bigger players, can defend some guys his size as well. I'm, I've never been the biggest Thad Young fan. I just think he's an above-average guy. But for the Clippers, makes some level of sense. I love having Thad Young in a playoff series, though. Thad Young is a guy that will raise his game. Um, I, I, I want that. He's a foxhole guy to me. I've, I've, I've always been a fan. Always been a fan. Boy, they would be Wing City, wouldn't they? We used to have Lob City. They'd just be Wing City. I mean, if you throw out there Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Thaddeus Young. What are you, what are you giving up for, for Thad Young? Are you giving up Harkless here for salary matching purposes? How could you be more Harkless? Harkless is like the, the name that keeps coming up everywhere, right? Oh, they got Harkless in that first rounder. <laughs> They're going to get something <laughs> for it, right? I, I still think the Clippers should trade for Iguodala. They should just give up the pick. Oh, interesting. They you know what? Well, Harkless had a pick for Iguodala. It, just, it, just make it, it happen. Meant, if it meant it was going to keep it away from the Lakers, right? Yeah, but even then, though, are the Lakers really going to be the team that gets Iguodala? With Memphis, let's let's say a trade does not happen. Are they going to buy out Iguodala? No, no, no gonna, a, tra a trade's happening. A trade's happening. Well, that's what I've heard. I've heard a trade will happen. It will. They, they have generated enough interest from a handful of teams. I mentioned Dallas this week in my column that they 
they have they do have interest in Iguodala. We would know other playoff teams as well. We would know it's the, if 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 it wasn't if it wasn't taking place. Look, everybody's known that Iguodala is going to be traded since you know we were in uh in the summer. Okay, so everybody's known that, and so you have had all this time. I think it's just a matter of picking the trade you want to make. Right, like you have just been fielding the different things. You know what's out there. And there is stuff out there, and so you know what's out there, and then you hope it gets even better than that when it comes nut-cutting time, you know? But he'll get <laughs> traded. He'll get traded, for sure. Well, you know, and for the Mavericks, for example, they have right now their own first-round pick, but they also have the Golden State Warriors second-round pick, which is 31st. So well, it's, that's the thing. That's the thing. You can run around and you can say, oh, you don't want to give us uh, that thing? Well, fine. Dallas has given us Courtney Lee in that uh, second-round pick. Yes. So we'll just do that. It, exactly. I mean, like exactly. now life is leverage, Kev. All well, you got to have is one decent deal. And all of a sudden you can get a good deal. Well, and let's say that deal is on the table, right? The 31st pick, for, you know, from Dallas. Why wouldn't with, it be? Well, I know. I agree. I'm, I agree. <laughs> I mean, and look, that, that's the thing. That's what I wrote about this week with the Dallas Mavericks. Right now, they they are ahead of far ahead of schedule. And the question is, what will they do now to position themselves for the playoffs now? But also, like, how do you build around Chris Epps, Porzingis, and Luka Doncic moving forward. What what are the big trades that you can make? Because with KP, as much as I really, really like him as a player, the fact is is that he still has not yet to be not yet proven that he can be a durable player, missing the 10 games of the knee injury, adding to the long list of injuries that he's had. So for Dallas, there's short-term moves that they can make now without sacrificing long-term flexibility, but then to a greater extent, what's the next big move that you make to not only support your KP Luca core when they're healthy, but how do you help bolster that team in the inevitable situations when KP's out? It's going to be hard for Dallas to do that, but they have the hardest thing there is to find in a transcendent player in Luca. So uh, I, I get teams to trade places for their problems any day. I read yesterday that the Detroit Pistons are reportedly asking for a first round pick in any deal centered around Derek Rose. Uh, we talked about Rose in our podcast earlier this week. I think they get a first rounder. Don't you? Who, from who? who? Who should give it up? Well, this is a crappy draft. So, I mean, I think I told you, I think that draft picks are going to be uh, more thrown around than they have been in the past. And I think that first round draft picks have a lower value than they had in the past. Um, And I think you agree with that, just given the strength of this draft. Right. And sure. so if I sit there and I say, hey, I'm a contender, uh, this could really this could really help me out and this could take me over the hump um, or this is the kind of guy that I can bring off my bench that can run my second team uh, offense and and just torch people. Rose has been good, good two years running and he's still I know that we he's still not old. He's still not old. So and he's on a great contract. I'd give up a first rounder. Absolutely. If I'm a good team and I think, hey, I can add this guy. I would do it. I would absolutely. I'm not talking late. I'm not talking. I'm the lottery pick. You know what I'm saying? But you're I'm talking. talking, I'm, talking yeah, the good first. teams. I'm talking the teams that are going to be 20 through 30. Yeah, like I would much rather have Derrick week. Rose than my 23rd pick or 28th pick. Well, it's like we talked about last week with the Lakers or Sixers having reported interest in Derrick Rose. A team like that. Why? Why would I not? If I'm the Sixers, why would I not? I mean, I would, I would absolutely. My pick's going to be like 26. I'm probably going to be one of the last four teams standing, you know? So that's what I, I mean. I would certainly give it up. 
Well, in that you touched on it there. If you feel like you have a chance for a title, this is a this is a year to go all in. Oh yeah, I'm not giving it up if I'm like you know whatever if I'm Atlanta or something. Of course, yeah, but like, but the window is open here. Bucks, yes. Bucks, and Lakers are favorites in their respective conferences, but they're not unbeatable. They're just not. And if you're able to land a top tier player, maybe you are willing to overpay a little bit for that shot to win a title. Masai Ujiri said this week that they're going to go for it. You know, you have the rumors earlier in the season about teams going for Drew Holiday. It's unclear if there is any potential for a holiday move now with Zion back. But if you're Miami or Denver, why wouldn't you be going really, really hard for a guy like that? Like, there's a window here. There's an opportunity. So for these teams, it does make sense to maybe overpay slightly for that shot, for that opportunity to get a a finals appearance. And who knows what can happen? You could win the whole damn thing. Well, and there's there's some super fascinating teams that have been very active trade uh, participants over the years. You know, you see what's going on in Portland. They're going to they're going to want to make the playoffs. Right. Um, And they've been active before. Houston has been really struggling. And, you know, Daryl's playing for one thing. And that's the title. And he's looking at his roster and going, we're not winning the title with this. So what can I do? And so I think I think that while it feels like it's not going to be active, I don't think we're going to have like, you know, 30% of the league or whatever traded like we did last year. But I think there's going to be some significant trades. And certainly given the situation that you were talking about where teams have a shot at it, that's why. Because you look at it and go, look, man, there's there's one team that we really need that we are going to really have to get past or that we're super worried about um, in the in the Eastern Conference, right? That has not that has not had immense playoff success yet, right? So you look at them, and you might not should feel they're beatable, but you can think, hey, we could beat them in a series, possibly. Raptors did, you know what I mean? We could too. Um, in the West, it's a little more dicey because you might look at it and say, look, wait, like it doesn't matter what I do to my team. I'm not going to beat the Lakers and the Clippers. But if you're Daryl Morey, you say, I got to be able to compete with them. Like that's who I'm going to be up against, and so. I don't know. I don't know. Same with Denver, right? Does Denver feel like they're they feel good about going into a series against either of those two teams? I think you got to feel at least a, a little good. Really? When yeah. I went to seven games against the Spurs and then I got my ass kicked by the Trailblazers? Yeah, I doubt. I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not saying you feel great, but but I think you're going to have some level of confidence when you have an All NBA big point guard in Jokic when you have. Michael Porter Jr. Granted, right now he's out with a back injury, and that is terrifying. <laughs> you have these X factors who are solid overall players. I, I think you're gonna feel some level of confidence. I don't think you'd win it, but that's what I mean. Like there's still a move away, right. and that, uh, these are the type of teams that should go hard. Earlier in the podcast, we did not get to. I think I brought it up, and then we never talked about it. Was the Zion thing, which was kind <laughs> what of. Happened? A, I don't know. I think you started talking about your beard. Uh, it was kind of a. <laughs> It was a dud for three quarters, <laughs> and then there's like this explosion in the fourth quarter, and then he was you know put back on the bench because we've got to use the long view and blah 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 blah. But I mean, for in terms of capturing everybody's imagination in a debut, for him to come out and knock down the four threes and have this 
you know, 17 points in less than five minute spurt was just absolutely positively like that's a storybook type thing. And it obviously didn't end with them winning and him staying on the court and getting them all the way home. Uh, but in terms of signs of things to come, how many people are going to be wanting to tune in nightly to see this? Holy mackerel. That, that was a, a glimpse at things to come from Zion. So that, exciting. It was fascinating. And like, he might not hit, he might not hit four, three pointers over his next 10 games, but it's okay. What we didn't see in that game was the ferocious drives to the rim and the loud, ferocious dunks. We did see glimpses of everything else that he can be with the transition passes, with the putback, with the spot-up threes. But we still haven't even seen the full dose of what Zion could be to the Pelicans. And they Look, if Zion is playing 30 minutes in that game, New Orleans wins that game. Easily. I think, I think, you're, I think you're right. And, and, and it was, it was uh, interesting to read that his debut, um, you know, it peaked at like almost 2.8 million people, which is for a comparable game, like a non-Christmas game, um, it was up 88% versus a last year's comparable game, and it is their highest rated NBA game this season. Wow. Which, wow. I mean, wow. so it ain't, it, it, it's, not, it, it's not like, you know, me and you and the rest of the basketball uh, centric heads are watching this, the People are going out of their way. Wow. You know, yeah. when you have a number that big that is tuning in to watch the guy. And they will keep tuning in to watch the guy. He may be the he hey, he may be he may put the whole NBA ratings problem to rest by his oh, lonesome. That, that's that's again, like we we hit this. I know people like we got a couple tweets this week about Pelicans again, but <laughs> but like Zion's back. The number one pick is back, and he's this player who for years at the high school level, then at Duke. And now in the NBA, just brings joy to the court. What well, they told pe- me, people, are, people are fascinated with his game. I saw and, those, and, and in conjunction with uh, with that, and like, oh, we talk about the Pelicans. Like, look, they have been a mega fascinating team for this year. We left them for dead, and then they rose from the dead, and now they're getting this guy back. And you just wrote an article talking about Zion and the fact that he gets searched still without playing. He gets searched more than. Harden and and uh, and who was the other one? Luca. Luca. Just he, as much. It's like pretty much equal. Which is insane. He hasn't on, even played. You, YouTube and Google, he gets searched just as much. And, and obviously, the numbers from his debut that you just mentioned show the potential with him being a draw for whatever reason. Oh, like, hey, look, and you yeah. know the way this stuff works, right? Uh, it's not like we, you know, you put Pelicans in the title. You put Zion in the title of anything, and people are listening or reading. That's just the way it is. He's that big of a star. Same way. You're all, your podcasts are always going to do better when you put LeBron in the title or whatever, right? Or premier teams, premier players. And his return was, I mean, geez Louise. That well, was and, that, and that's tan- what's tan- so tantalizing to think what's ahead. And that's, that's not so even his game. That's not even how he plays. Well, I, I know. And that, it was that, that was, exciting. That was weird. And that, that's what's so interesting about Zion, though. Like, you think about the post-LeBron world, and we've hit this before, but Luka and Giannis just haven't resonated in the way that Zion has without even doing anything yet at the NBA. And Giannis, of course, is a top-selling jersey. Luka does, too. But Zion playing only one game so far as of recording this podcast already has a top-10-selling jersey. And if he finished this, finishes this season 
the way in which it started in the preseason, the way in which it was in the fourth quarter of game one, that guy next year will have a top two, top three, at least top five selling jersey. And he will be a top ratings draw for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I, I hope for the league. I hope for us as fans and media. I hope he's able to just stay healthy. Yeah. Oh, no, it's highlights. It's the highlight culture. And he is a perfect example of, as is, by the way, Trey Young, who led in fan voting for the Eastern Conference. Trey Young led in fan voting, not because there's a bunch of people sitting around watching Hawks for, games every night. For, for guards, he led, yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Giannis led overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the people aren't sitting around watching Hawks games every night, I promise you. But they are sitting around seeing on social media him pulling from a logo and him going behind his back and through his legs and, you know. Trey's fun, man. He is. He's fun. He's a, And he's a highlight machine. If you're a highlight machine, look, I just told you, look at all those fan votes that Zach Levine got. Zach Levine sucks. <laughs> Bonafide loser. Ooh, keep he going. Is. He is. <laughs> Do you hear that stat that what's his name said on the on the Simmons pod? I almost ran off the road. He said he, you know, like he looked up the clutch stats. This guy had the highest usage in the league and the worst net rating. Well, to him, I mean, how that I, work? I mean, net rating is a team stat. No, it's a team stat. That usage is not a team stat. No, it's not. But with, with Levine, I, I just look at it like he doesn't play defense and he doesn't pass the ball. <laughs> oh, just those two things. He just doesn't play defense or pass. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Sounds that's like the I, kind of guy I want. That's what I mean. I mean, I, I had a hit on NBA desktop and in my article uh, a couple weeks back where I blasted Zach Levine. I, I'll try to pull that open, but I mean, I'm not a Zach Levine fan. His highlights at all. are awesome, though. I'll give him that. Yeah, they are. Look, he, again, another fun offensive player, but he doesn't pass, doesn't play team ball. He doesn't defend. Yeah, good thing they traded Jimmy Butler. It's it was it was the right ah! move. It was it was the right it was the right move. <laughs> it, was it was never the right, the right move. move. It, was it was never the right move. Know, no, 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 no. We're no, like five like, years no. removed and they no. suck. Trading Butler was the right move. No. But but in the wait, in that draft, I gave the trade an F plus because they also gave up the 16th pick in the first round, which still made no sense. And I still thought the Lowry marketing pick was a mistake. So it's the right move to trade Butler. It's just what they've done since what they decided to do and what they've done since then has not been smart. I don't agree that it was the right move. I'd have rather had Jimmy Butler for these well, last couple well, of years. They, and they, they walks. Nah, he ain't walking. They should have. They should have drafted Frank Nilakina. Frank Nilakina. <laughs> Where's he getting traded? Do you see? Did you see that that guy sent to me the other day? The um. Oh, God, what was it? I'm sure you had to have gotten sent the same thing as I do. The Frank Neal Aquino thing, the night of, of Zion's deal. No, I didn't see that. What? Nobody sent you anything? I know. Oh, I guess they, I guess they just did. I, I guess they just send it to me because they know I'm, that I'm, I'll, not, I'm not as popular as you, Chris. No, that's <laughs> not true. People just want me to uh, uh, jump you about stuff, right? It was something. <laughs> uh, Zion got Frank Neal Aquino's career high um, in 130 seconds. I'm sick to my stomach. <laughs> 
My my favorite one was the Josh. Oh, he got Frank Nilakina's high in 130 seconds. My favorite one was the Josh Eberly tweet about how Zion surpassed Ben Simmons and career three pointers in 86 seconds. <laughs> oh, of course, the one that's the one you like the most. <laughs> well, I mean, it was funny. You know, Are you not, <laughs> you're not going to acknowledge that the guy scored more points of he got Nilakina's career high in 130 <laughs> seconds. That's impossible. (laughs) How is that possible? He's going to play two minutes and 10 seconds and got his career high. What does Frank Nilekina have to do with Zion? (laughs) Stay away from Frankie Smokes. Leave Frankie Smokes Uh, alone. We're ending on that. The show is over. I'm sick of this crap. Off the rails. Uh, Thank you to Bobby Wagner for producing as always. Kevin, have a good weekend. I'll talk (laughs) to you on Tuesday. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps. And we will talk to you next week.